Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. In five, four, three, two, one. It's time for the rundown with Rob Sanders. Well, we're waiting. Welcome into the Rundown, the Friday edition here on Fox Sports Radio 1400. My name is Rob Sanders. Thanks for joining us. We're going to head out to the phones. Welcome in. Friend of the program, my friend, and he'll probably be your friend if you follow him on Twitter. He is uh, Will Pelagic. Will, how are you, sir? Afternoon, Rob. How are things? Uh, they are things, my friend. Appreciate you joining us from uh, the ATL this afternoon. Of course, I uh, used to work here with us in Columbia. Now you work uh, in the big city of Atlanta. I feel like I'm talking to like just this crazy rock star from Atlanta now. Uh, pretty, well, we actually we actually just had a real star on our station about uh, 20 minutes ago. We had Ludacris on, so he, he's a lot more, much more of a star than I am. But uh, I, there, I try to pale in comparison to him. Is there a picture of you with Ludacris out there that we can see? There isn't, unfortunately. I wish there was. I wish there was. Well, we need to, we need to jump on that. But we, can I wanted, that. we can make that happen. We need to make that happen. And you know what? You need to invite your friend Rob down there so he can uh, hobnob with people. And you can be like, look at this hillbilly that I used to work with. I, I, used, to be, I used to be this guy that worked with like the, this guy over here who's a man of the people. I, I mean, that's, that's what you could do. It'd be great. I, I will do anything I possibly can to get you down here, my man. <laughs> Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Well, I wanted to go over some stuff with you today. Uh, first of all, we just heard from the Fox Sports update that the owners are, are trying to give a little bit more uh, on the Major League Baseball front. If you're the players at this point, are you just holding out like, look, I want all my money? I mean, you're at 88% now. You might as well throw the other 12% in is the way a lot of people are looking at it. Yeah, I, I know that the, a lot has been made about the fact that they, at least according to their eyes, went a lot closer when in reality, the amount of money that they're spending, it's all just a, a repackaging of some of their earlier proposals. They really do not want to budge off of what basically amounts to the full prorated salary for what would be the equivalent of 50 to 55 games and spreading it out over a longer season at a lesser rate. is just another way for them to repackage that. Uh, the players, and I think rightfully so, have not come off of their initial stance about wanting to have the full prorated salary for however many games that they're going to play. Uh, the unfortunate part about this is, and you and I have talked about this before, Rob, is that you know at the end of the day, fans are, are fed up with this back and forth and this discussion, and I think enough irreparable damage has taken place for the game itself because of the fact that you've had all this infighting made public. I think it, it strikes as a precursor to what we're going to see 
next offseason when the CBA is up and they have these same types of discussions. Uh, right now, I don't see how anything other than a commissioner-mandated 48-game season with the full prorated salaries, I, I, I don't see any way that that isn't what we end up getting. And, and if that is the case, then I think it's a sham season, and I think it's a bad look for all involved, including baseball commissioner Rob Manfred. 48 games is 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 an August and, and, you know, a couple of weeks after September. I mean, that's not... That's not a season in my mind. I mean, the asterisks would go up crazy on this if this does come to pass. Would you agree? I, I totally agree, Rob. I mean, again, I'm I'm not saying it's what I want to happen. I, I feel like this, that's kind of the inevitability because uh, the players want their full prorated salaries and the owners don't feel like they have, number one, the cash flow, and number two, the wherewithal to be able to make that happen for anything longer than, again, a 48, 50, 55 game season. It's just... It's just not the way that they've uh, come about and and, uh, and and positioned themselves. And the other part of this too is that you know we're dealing with the, the the factor of time, the fact that we've spent so much time or they've spent so much time arguing back and forth. There was believed to be some sort of a soft deadline of Wednesday. That was two days ago uh, before the Major League Baseball draft about them trying to get themselves a negotiation. Now there's talk that. That particular deadline could be somewhere around Monday before finally Commissioner Rob Manfred comes out and, and makes his recommendation, makes his, his mandate for how long the season is going to be and when it will start. They're basically saying that July 10th could be this kind of date out there in the, in the ether that's when they want to start play. But again, at the same time, if we don't have a deal, we don't have an agreement, uh, I think anything that's mandated by the commissioner is a continued bad look for the league, and if it's that short, then yeah, I think it is a sham. Are we at the point where it's like, you know what, if you're going to play 48 games, why even bother? I mean, I think there's a consensus around some folks that are like, yeah, we, we want baseball back, but in reality, if these two can't come together, and as you said, the commissioner can throw out any date that he wants, but until they come to an agreement, that date doesn't matter. But are we at a point where I think fans are getting to – you know what, we'll just check back in next year uh, post-COVID. I think the fans are very much in that regard, and I also wonder you know, how many players will want to either take advantage of some opportunities for, say, you know, reconstructive surgeries of, of that nature just to kind of take uh, the year and punt on, on 2020. I know that there have been a lot of people who have expressed the desire to, to not necessarily be quarantined as much with their uh, – with their teammates because of the fact that they have certain things with their family or are high risk. I, I think one of the big key points right now is what would be the way that some of these guys who don't want to play for whatever reason, how they are treated, will they still get their service time? Will they still get money? Will it be paid some sort of uh, stipend in that regard? Uh, those are a lot of still the unanswered questions, but, but yeah, I think from, a fan's perspective and also a player's perspective, there be a lot of people turned off by the fact that they are only going to play 48 to 50 games. And because of that, uh, you have a scenario right now where Major League Baseball had an opportunity to kind of be unopposed uh, in the market of sports. Right now, the, the league that's going to be first back, at least among team sports, is the MLS. When they start their MLS's back tournament in Orlando on July 8th, uh, you have NASCAR back, you have golf back, and uh, international soccer getting back. This is a, a missed opportunity 
for a sport that doesn't realize that it significantly strained its relationship with its fans and, and, and relationship with the people who consume the sport at large. And right now, I'm not saying that, you know, baseball can go off into oblivion, but they're just continuing to uh, to write their collective death sentence in the eyes of a lot of people who observe sports from afar. It, it, it certainly is becoming a mess. And I'm wondering if... Uh, some players may decide, hey, maybe I want to go play overseas. I'm wondering if, if contractually, if some of them can obviously go and try that over playing in Japan or wherever. Yeah, I don't know if we're going to see that. I know that there are some major league players who were in the majors as recently as last year who are playing now in the KBO, guys like Aaron Altair, Drew Gagneau, players of that nature. So it's not as if that part of it is, un, uh, is, uh, is uncommon. But I, I do think that because of, of where the desire is for a lot of people to, to have to, you know, be underneath their Major League Baseball contract, I don't know if they're going to, to want to mortgage that uh, unless they don't have a better offer here stateside. Uh, let's flip to the NBA for a second. 22 teams supposed to get started on July 30th. One of those teams is a team that you follow there in Atlanta with the Hawks. Uh, is there a sense of, man, I mean, there's no way they can make the playoffs, but the idea of being able to have uh, that young team get a little more seasoning, you think there's going to be something where they can have extended training camps or just something to get those players out there and playing a little bit? Yeah, it's something that I've talked about here, uh, not only on the air, but also in uh, some articles that I wrote for our website, 929thegame.com. You know, it's, it, it's going to be very, very difficult for that franchise, as young as it is and needing experience as it is, uh, to not have a period of time or a period of time around nine to ten months without any competitive basketball, I would like to see some sort of modified summer league for uh, the teams called the Excluded Eight, if you will, uh, the Charlotte Hornets, Washington Wizards, and uh, of course the, the Hawks, among five others. You know, there's obviously a, a great deal of concern when it comes to the safety measures. I know you've seen some of the pushback from some of the NBA players over the last day or so about the Orlando uh, about the Orlando setup uh, I was a proponent if if Atlanta was going to be welcomed down you know I wouldn't have wanted to bring my star players I would have left you know Trey Young and John Collins home especially if it was a situation where they had all 30 teams and only playing about five or six games I wouldn't want my whole team being down there for the uh, health risks that are involved when it comes to being down there so I, I don't necessarily think that them not playing in Orlando is a, is a bad thing, but I do think that there needs to be something done or some way for them to get some sort of either joint practices or uh, tournament or any way to get the competitive juices flowing so that uh, they don't have a period of time that lasts from the middle of March to all the way in December where they don't have a competitive game. And, and I know one thing, too, that uh, the players, uh, or at least not the players, but the, the ownership and the management side of things and and we heard this from, from GM Travis Schlenk uh, of the Hawks earlier this week. You know, they're not necessarily happy seeing videos like what we saw with Trey Young earlier this week, where I think he dropped like uh, 48 points in a gym in Norman, Oklahoma, uh, basically playing pickup basketball with those guys. That, that's not necessarily something they want to see. They want to have control of these guys, and they want to have them in their, in their home market, and they want to have access to, to them on a 24-7 basis so that when they are able to play and when they are able to practice or, or possibly have scrimmages against these other teams that aren't playing in Orlando, 
uh, they have them under the, the utmost safety. You know, being a Phoenix Suns fan, at first I was excited because the Suns were uh, one of the teams that gets to go down to Orlando to play. But then I look at the standings. They're, they're, they don't have a snowball's chance in hell of making the playoffs. So I, I guess I'm kind of like you. Why would I send DeAndre Ayton and, and those guys down to Orlando? I would just send my youngins. I mean, the guys that have been sitting on the bench, my second string, I wonder if a lot of other teams are going to do that. If you're a team like the San Antonio Spurs, who are basically in the same uh, the same mix there, I mean, in the West, you've got those teams, and I think they did it to get the Pelicans down there with, with Zion Williamson. But do you think there's going to be a section of teams that do that where they're like, yeah, thanks, but no thanks? Um, I think there'll be the desire to, and, and like I said, that's kind of what I was talking about with the Hawks about how I wouldn't want to have, you know, my star players down there at all, especially with really nothing to play for. I think it's just going to depend franchise by franchise. I also think too, that while it might not be expressed outwardly, there is going to be some pressure from the commissioner's office and Adam Silver to basically say, Hey, we need to put our best foot forward here. We can't have this turn into something where uh, it's basically just design invitational and it's a, a doormat for them to get to the postseason. Although by the examination of, of what's been done outwardly, it kind of seems like that's what it is. But uh, in my mind, Rob, I think that they want to try to prevent any kind of tomfoolery of that nature. That being said, if I was a GM, I'd probably be doing the same thing that I said before that they would be doing and, and kind of what you suggested there with what the Suns uh Basically, without having really a chance to make the postseason, I wouldn't necessarily want to send my stars either. Well, I'm hoping my sons go eight and zero in the in the eight games and end up in the playoffs, and then knock off the Lakers so the entire planet can be mad at them. That would make me the happiest individual on the face of the earth. Can you imagine if the Suns went on just an ungodly twelve game winning streak, eight games to get into the tournament? or get into the uh, into the playoffs, four games to sweep LeBron James and the Lakers right on out. That would make me just the happiest man alive. From your lips to God's ears, Rob. <laughs> I, I guess I can – I don't know why that just makes me so happy. It's not going to happen. But, hey, if it does, you heard it here first. All right, I, I have to ask you a couple of questions about um, some college football stuff. One of them on the, the COVID-19 front. You know, um, NASCAR is going to start letting fans back into the stands, 1,000 people at in Miami um, at uh, Talladega next week. They're letting 5,000 fans in. That, sta- that, uh, that uh, track can hold 175,000 people. Do you think this is more along the lines of they're ramping up and we may get to a point where the college season we have, say, at least 50% of the fans in the stands for uh, games this year? I think it's a very interesting test cycle here, Rob, and, and you're not only getting that, but you're also getting uh, galleries back at, uh, I believe, the, uh, the Memorial Tournament up in Ohio is going to have fans here in July as well. So, again, the, the, the starting up and the ramping up of, uh, of places allowing fans is going to be very interesting to see. It's something that both the NFL and I think all the college football is watching. I think you're going to see a concerted effort to do so in the South because not only are they so reliant on the gate, but there's also, again, a, I would say a significant culture difference in terms of the at-stadium experience of these SEC, and, and you can even throw Clemson in the mix, uh, of those types of, of towns that have football and, and have their, their economies completely. 
Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. ...revolving around football, uh, and I think, too, just the political aspect of it as well, lends itself to having people that have the appetite to want to be back inside stadiums. Uh, I know something that MLS Commissioner Don Garber said as well on Wednesday is that you know, when they get done with their tournament in August, they're going to try and play as much of the rest of their season in home markets as well and didn't completely shut off the idea that they would have fans too in, those, in that regard. I do think that once college football and once the NFL, because of the fact that they have the benefit of time and the benefit of the ability to kind of watch this stuff play out, I do think that they are going to at least try to have some fans at the beginning I don't think it's going to be a full stadium at the beginning, but you know you've heard Ray Tanner speak about this. You've heard uh, Dan Radakovich speak about this. You know they have models that are all ready to to kind of go here uh, when it terms of uh, you know full stadium, half stadium, twenty five percent. You know if it's a situation like that, I think that you probably start the season off around you know twenty five percent, maybe ramp it up to fifty by the time the conference season starts, and then maybe by the end of the season, if you're lucky. You have a full stadium uh, with some certain restrictions just because of the fact that, again, it's it's hard to predict where we'll be with this pandemic uh, by the time we hit November. But uh, to me, Rob, I do think that those things, despite some of the spikes that we've seen here in recent days, I do think that you are going to see some more trending upward because they know how much they can get when it comes to uh, the gate, when it comes to tickets. Will Pelagic joining us from uh, 92.9 in Atlanta. Uh, Will, I have to ask you about the uh, the Georgia Bulldogs. Um, you know, th- it seems like every year they're winning the uh, the imaginary trophy for recruiting. Are the fans uh, at this point now where this season is going to be a, hey, Kirby, we got to see what you got here? Because it hasn't been the, the – they've got national, um, national championship-type talent – but they're not winning the national championship. And it's, are the Bulldogs fans a little bit on edge heading into this season? I think there's a significant appetite for at least some sort of forward movement when it comes to the Bulldogs. Uh, I think, too, you know, last year there was a lot of optimism, and that waned considerably after you know, what we saw LSU do and the fact that uh, that SEC championship game was a very lopsided mess. I think you're going to see the opportunity – for them in the East this year because of it being so wide open. You know, between them and Florida, I think those are the two top teams in the SEC East. The, the one big unanswered question is whether or not you see a significant change on offense. You know, he fired, uh, did Kirby Smart, his offensive coordinator, James Coley, and brought in somebody who is, is trying to work things forward and, and maybe bring this offense into the 21st century and, and it not be, you know, run the damn ball all the time, that kind of thing. Uh, and the fact that they uh, attracted Jamie Newman for that one-year transfer like they did and even also brought in JT Daniels from Southern Cal, those are, are two moves that suggest that they want to at least revolutionize and modernize the offense. But 
Uh, he's been very mum on it. You know, I think that's kind of his way. He wants to try and, you know, keep as much mystery around what exactly they're doing offensively as possible. I think that's the big unanswered question right now. I, I can't answer whether or not Georgia is going to have a chance to compete until I see what that offense looks like because of the fact that, you know, despite the fact that they've had a lot of success and a lot of talent over the last couple of years, certain positions have had some atrophy. The wide receiver position last year did not look good for them. Uh, Jake Fromm had a step back. He basically never played up to the level that he did as a freshman in either of his two final seasons at UGA. And so because of that, you're going to have a situation right now in Athens where uh, you were thinking about it being possibly a bridge year, but the amount of wide openness that is inside the SEC lends itself to think that if Georgia can get competent quarterback play and competent offensive play, they have a chance to make some noise, but yeah, there is it, it is a, a tense time in Athens, to say the least. It's one of the more interesting uh, stories to watch this season. My pick um, is Florida to win the East. I just, I like what Dan Mullen is doing down there, and it seems like they've been going in a trajectory that's just up since he got there. And I I look at it from from this perspective too. Uh, remember last year in the SEC, we had. Um, some some great quarterbacks, obviously Joe Burrow, and then you had Fromm with Georgia. This year, it's kind of a uh, you've got uh, Trask down at uh, Florida, and then you could probably throw, I guess, Kellen Mond in the mix. But it's kind of a weak year at the quarterback position for the SEC as far as proven talent that is returning. Yeah, it's not a it's not a big year for the quarterback, and and you know I mentioned Jamie Dubin earlier. For some reason, he's getting all this Heisman hype uh, because of the fact that he's at Georgia and because people think that, that the effect that Todd Munkin will have on him will be the same kind of effect that, that Dan Mullen has had on guys like Kyle Trask. I think the fact that he now has the ability to kind of have that job on his own and, and not uh, not have the, the Felipe Franks thing kind of weighing on him, I think that certainly helps him and it helps Dan Mullen. Uh, the one thing, again, it's, it's going to come down to that big game in, in Jacksonville, and I think that's the the real barometer game when it comes to the SEC East. I don't see anybody outside of those two teams uh, really contending for the SEC East this season. I don't think that you're going to see enough out of Tennessee. I don't think you're going to see anything out of the, the bottom four teams. You know, South Carolina is still trying to reconfigure what they're trying to do as far as their offense is going. And, uh, and while their defense does have a lot of strong things coming back, it's, it's still something where, you know, you're coming off of a four-win season and you really don't know what's going to happen with Will Muschamp's squad. I don't think Missouri, I don't buy them as a, as a contender. And, of course, you have Vandy. So I think from the SEC East perspective, I think that that ultimate game, the cocktail party game late in the season is going to be the one that determines the SEC East victor. And, you know, the, the thing about it is is that Kirby Smart's had the better of that series. And, yeah, I think if it, the only reason I will be reticent to pick Florida is because you know, I need to see Dan Mullen and that squad do it. And uh, the fact is, K- Kirby has uh, has always kind of had the the little mixer, the little thing that uh, gets them over the edge in that game. My final question for Will Pelagic this afternoon, of course, joining us from ninety two nine down in Atlanta. Uh, I've had a con- I've had an idea about something that um, is kind of out there, but I wanted to throw it to you. Why not do a realignment in in the SEC just based on the football front with moving Alabama from the west to the east? They still keep Tennessee as their opponent that they would normally have because they're in the east, but then their west opponent 
obviously would be Auburn, so you keep the Iron Bowl, and then move Mizzou to the west. I mean, that just makes just sense all over the place, uh, just from uh, from my perspective anyway. I don't think that's going to happen, but it is something unique to think about, right? It's unique. I think you'll get a lot of pushback from the East teams who wouldn't want to have Alabama in their division just because I think from Georgia and Florida's perspective, they feel like they have a – a pretty easy go of it when it comes to getting themselves to Atlanta. Uh, I think Alabama has a desire to, to keep a lot of those long-standing rivalries with those uh, SEC West teams. I know you mentioned that they would play Auburn cross division, but I, I do think you, you would lose the game with LSU, which I think would be a, uh, a significant loss for the conference. That game has become a real moneymaker every year, uh, at least since Nick Saban's been there for the Crimson Tide. Uh, and I also think, you know, despite the fact that Missouri – uh, would get a chance to play Arkansas every year. They already do that anyway. I just don't know if that's the kind of cachet that they want when it comes to uh, an opponent. There's not a lot of history that goes along with any of those teams other than Texas A&M because of their standing back when they were in the Big 12. Uh, I know that geographically it might not make a lot of sense for Missouri to be in the SEC East, but I think that if if Alabama was the one that switched I don't think that would necessarily be a good deal. If you were looking for any of the teams to switch, I would think that Auburn would make more sense, honestly. Good stuff from uh, Will Pelagic. Now, I have to ask, I, I follow you on Twitter, at Willie P. Style. You're cooking stuff all the time, man. When, when you were here, <laughs> you didn't cook anything. Uh, That's not true. That's I, you not you true weren't posting it so we could come and visit, so us hillbillies huh. could come and visit. Now you get to Atlanta, you're posting all this good stuff, man. What's up with that? I just I love to cook. It's become my outlet during uh, during the coronavirus pandemic. Uh, you know, w- w- when you're here by yourself in a in a spacious apartment, I have, I have a better kitchen here than I had when I was in Columbia. I got I got gas stoves and gas ovens, so it, it's a it's a lot more of a it's a lot more of an inviting cooking atmosphere as opposed to uh, the uh, the mini apartment I had in Columbia Mo. Or Columbia SC, I should say. Columbia SC. What, what are you talking about, Columbia Mo? Don't bring that up. I meant, Colum- I meant Columbia SC. You know what I mean. <laughs> I know what you meant. Hey, Will, once again, he's on Twitter, at Willie P. Style. You can follow him for recipes and, of course, uh, some great sports information. Hey, man, thanks so much for joining us on the rundown today, buddy. I really appreciate it. My pleasure, Rob. Anytime. All right. Will Pelagic joining us on the rundown today. Will's always got some good stuff and... The guy, the guy's cooking up a storm in his kitchen. You like to, uh, if you like food porn, you got to go check out some of the stuff he's been putting up there. By the way, we still have more of the rundown this afternoon. I'm putting together, actually, I put together earlier my top ten defenses that are returning this season. We'll talk about that. That's the list this afternoon. Be sure to stick around for that. You know, there's also some other stuff out there that we're going to get into today. And, of course, here on The Rundown, you're always welcome to uh, check us out at 803-978-1832. 803-978-1832 is the number to call. If you want to join us here on The Rundown this afternoon, respond to the stuff that, uh, that Will threw out there. My idea is to move Alabama to the east. He says that Auburn would be the better fit. Huh, interesting. Interesting stuff there. And are you done with Major League Baseball? Are we at the point now where a 48-game season is like, yeah, I'm not going to bother? I mean, if they can't care enough 
to get together, the players and the owners together. I'm not siding with one side or the other. But if they can't get together and come up with something that's set in rock, I, I mean, it's really hard for me to get behind anything that's going on with Major League Baseball right now. It just seems like we're at an avenue where they just don't care. And if they don't care, then why should I? Are you at a point where you're done with what's going on with Major League Baseball? 803-978-1832. 803-978-1832 is the number to call. And you've also got a lot of the other things that are restarting. Like right now, there's a PGA golf that's going on out there. Are you trying to ease back into it? And what I mean by that is, is that are you getting jacked up by the NASCAR that's already back? Um, the UFC has been back. And I'll tell you what, that's one thing with this uh, COVID-19 pandemic that we've been dealing with. I have been better on the front of accepting new stuff, meaning I'm watching more UFC fights. And I'm actually kind of getting into it. I, I, at first... I was one of these guys that I didn't really like the UFC a lot. I mean, I respected what those guys did. And I'm just going to be honest, it sounds chauvinistic of me, but watching the women fight really kind of bugged me. And you've got like uh, this fight where they had last weekend with Amanda Nunez and uh, the young lady from Canada. Uh, I, goodness, her name escapes me. It shouldn't escape me because... She took more shots to the face than I could have from Amanda Nunez, and she kept coming. And stuff like that made me kind of appreciate a little bit more what the women are doing on the MMA front. Yes, I am a little late to the game, and for that, I apologize, but I've been a little more open. Has that happened to you? Are you starting to take in and say, you know what, I think I might like some NASCAR, or I might like some UFC stuff? Are you watching more of the golf that's our, that's coming back today? I think Phil Mickelson shot like a, a 69 yesterday. He was today. I think Phil Mickelson shot like a, a 69 yesterday. He was still like six shots back or something like that. I can't remember the exact ending or how that was working out. I, I got to give you an update on the leaderboard in a little bit. But it's amazing that I'm following this stuff a little bit more closely now. And you know what? I say that because... When it comes back to baseball, normally I'd be looking at box scores right now and what's this guy doing against left-handed pitchers and what's this guy doing out of the bullpen and what are the tendencies of of uh, the Braves when they do this and that and everything else. I don't have that now. And I'm just more into, I guess, what we have in front of us. And I think I'm just a little more accepting. But you know what? I think I'm going to be more after this is over. I think I'm going to be more into the stuff that I've picked up now, and I'm going to remember things like what Major League Baseball is doing where they obviously don't care about the fans. Because if they did, they'd figure out something and get it set up and and, and correct. Here's a thought. Lock everybody in a room. Don't come out until you have a deal. Don't Don't let leaks get out to the press. None of that. Lock everybody in a room and don't come out until you're squared away with a deal. And then you know what? We don't want to hear about it. Just go play. Get out there and do the game. 803-978-1832. 803-978-1832 is the number to call. 
if you'd like to join us on the rundown this afternoon here on Fox Sports Radio 1400. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Strap in. It's time for the list. The list this afternoon here on Fox Sports Radio 1400 around the world on the iHeartRadio app. You know, we've already done uh, top returning quarterbacks, top returning wide receivers. So I thought we would talk about the top defenses that are coming back this season and how what I think about each one of them. I've got my top five here, and there are definitely a couple names that are left out, but when I really stop and look at it, I, I mean, I feel pretty solid about this top five. So these are the top five defenses according to me, and of course I could always be wrong. It's not like I suited up and played linebacker or whatever. I'm just talking about what I see, okay? So here's what we got, the top five defenses this afternoon on the list, on the rundown. Number five. I'm going to go with the Florida Gators. You know, they've had basically a couple of great seasons under Dan Mullen. And I think that Florida's a team that's looking to move forward a little bit here. they got to replace some pass rushers in the front seven, but they're just deep across the board uh, thanks to the talent that Dan Mullen is bringing in. They're going to rotate a lot of guys in and out, and Todd Grantham's going to have a chance to keep guys fresh and keep uh, keep those pass rushers fresh and heading after the quarterback. So Florida is in at number five. Number four. Number four on the list this afternoon is the Wisconsin Badgers. You know, the Badgers, it looked like they were going to have one of the better defenses in college football last season. They had um, strings of shutouts in September. But then when the competition stiffed up a little bit, they came back down to earth. They finished number four overall in yards allowed. Still very, very talented. Garrett Rand on the edge. Keanu Benton at nose tackle are going to be some guys that can put up some numbers for Wisconsin. Number three. Number three on the list this afternoon. You know, I'm going to go with the Auburn Tigers. You know, their defensive coordinator, Kevin uh, Steele, signed a big contract in January making him the highest-paid assistant in college football, at the time anyway, worth about $2.5 million annually. Wrap your head around that for a second. Kevin Steele got fired from Clemson. Now he's at Auburn, and he's making $2.5 million. Wow. That's crazy. Of course, Auburn's defense is ranked in the top 20 nationally in scoring defense in each of Steele's four seasons as the coordinator and they're one of only five FBS programs to hold opponents under 20 points a game in each of the last four seasons. Uh, there are They have a ton of playmakers coming back. Look for Auburn to be really solid this season. Number two. Number two on the list this afternoon. You know, I, I got to look out a little bit. Not really out. I'm going to go with Alabama. You know, linebacker was kind of a sore spot for them last year. Dylan Moses is coming back. I think he's going to be the SEC Defensive Player of the Year. Nick Saban knows how to recruit. 
and they're not going to take a step back. Even People talked about, oh, the Alabama defense was bad last season. Here, here's a note for you. A lot of the pass rushers and, and uh, defensive line that were playing last year ended up being freshmen, freshmen and sophomores. And they still managed to be pretty decent last year at some points. So I think with Dylan Moses coming back, he's basically the quarterback of that defense. Look for Alabama to make things right, and I think they'll be at number two on my list. Number one one this afternoon goes to the Georgia Bulldogs. You know, I I give uh, the Bulldogs and their fans a lot of grief um, about, you know, they they haven't won anything since 1980, and they, they talk about, oh, well, we're just this premier program in college football. I mean, I guess you get a trophy for being like, you know, having the uh, the recruiting trophy. They got plenty of those at Georgia. If it just went on just recruiting, they would be winning the national championship every single year, but they don't. But I have to be unbiased when I put these rankings together, and I've got Georgia at number one. The reason why is that they have four draft-eligible defenders, uh, Malik Herring, Monty Rice, safety Richard LeConte III, and cornerback Eric Stokes came back. And two veteran offensive linemen uh, also are coming back too. But on that side of the ball on defense, they are going to be uh, a couple of graduate transfers to the mix at well as well. They are going to be solid across the board. So look for Georgia to take over. They are number one as far as my top defenses go uh, coming back for this season. Uh, Some teams that didn't quite make the list, you know, the Clemson Tigers are going to have a good defense this year. I don't think that's going to be up for debate. The question is, is that can they get uh, back to the pass rush? You know, last season they were built from the back end, according to uh, not just me, but my buddy, um, Coach Eric Wilson, They basically used Isaiah Simmons, who is one of the more versatile players in football, as an eraser. They didn't really do a lot of the four-down set that Brent Venables likes to do. If they get back to that this season, they're going to be outstanding if they can get get some of the pass rush back that they kind of didn't have uh, last season. So that's going to be put some pressure on some guys like a Brise, who's coming in as a freshman. I think they're expecting a lot out of him. But it's also going to put some pressure on guys like Xavier Thomas and K.J. Henry. Those two young men have to live up to what the hype was for them coming into, uh, into Clemson, especially Xavier Thomas. He's got to be a guy that goes out there and starts manhandling people. I mean, let's be honest. He's got all the physical talent, the physical capabilities. I don't know if he's battling within himself or what. But he's got to be able to step out and shine for the Clemson Tigers this year if the Tigers are going to have a knockdown, slap-your-mama-in-the-mouth defense. Jonathan says the Tigers will be good, but at least one upset wouldn't surprise him. You know, they do run into what could be a couple of interesting teams that may give them problems. Louisville at the beginning of the season, Scott Satterfield is building a machine at Louisville. You know, people talk about how Florida State is a team that can come back quickly. Yeah, I, I, I would buy that to an extent, but it wouldn't shock me if four years from now we're talking about Scott Satterfield and, uh, and Dabo Sweeney going at each other hard 
for that Atlantic Division crown in the ACC. I think that's more realistic than Florida State blossoming and fixing themselves magically. Scott Satterfield knows how to coach, and he's doing a lot better on the recruiting trail. And it seems like he can get a little bit more out of players that may not have shined as much on on that recruiting trail. So I, I think that when it comes down to that, I think that that's going to be uh, something that's going to be interesting down the line. Shout out to Paige watching on Facebook Live. We appreciate her. as She's wishing me a happy Friday. Thank you, Paige. Happy Friday to you as well. By the way, when we come back, ladies and gentlemen, it is Friday. You get your daily or your weekly dose of Tom Jones. It's Tom Jones every Friday here on The Rundown. Tom Jones just because it makes me happy. And uh, people on Twitter, by the way, love it, love it. Uh, you can message me at uh, Rob Sounds Good. We'll have some Tom Jones for you when we come back. You're listening to The Rundown. This is Fox Sports Radio 1400. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Friday, so... You've made it. Enjoy yourself some Tom Jones. Tom Jones on the rundown of Friday tradition. Appreciate you checking us out today. Of course, you can download the podcast throughout the weekend. If you missed the interview with Will Pelagic from 92.9 The Game in Atlanta, be sure to uh, check that out. That'll be up today. Also, great interviews scheduled throughout the week. Um, we got Tyler Crowder on, host of Kicking It with Crowder down in Georgia as well. Who else do we have, man? We had uh, Terrence Oglesby joined us on Monday. LaVon Kirkland on Tuesday. So some great stuff. And by the way, I can put this out there for next week. If you're a college baseball fan, USC Sumter coach Tim Medlin joins us on Monday. Coach Medlin will tell us a little bit more about some college baseball news. And uh, what I mean by that is, is that how is everything that the NCAA has put out there going to affect college uh, baseball teams with the NFL, excuse me, the MLB draft being just five rounds, guess what? A lot of guys that were going to go to the pros or thought they were going to go to the pros can't. So there's going to be an influx of high school talent that is going to be entering a college that a lot of them thought, uh-oh, I'm not going to have the chance to do that. Or I'm going to, I'm excuse me, I'm going to go straight, straight to the pros yeah, no, not so much now. That's happening. It's going to be interesting to see uh, Coach Medlin's take on that. We'll rally with that on Monday at uh, 3 o'clock as we get you set up on your first day back in the work week. But before we get there, hey, man, we got the weekend. And by the way, this story that I'm going to bring you now comes from the uh, glad you're not this guy. Of course, I'm talking about Jordan Spieth. Jordan Spieth has been... Uh, playing pretty good golf this weekend. Justin Rose led off uh, early in the tournament, posting a 63, doing some good stuff there. Once the second round kicked off, Jordan Spieth took command of the course. He was sitting at 11 under par for the tournament, 6 under par on the day, and then disaster strikes. Ladies and gentlemen, a professional golfer 
Jordan Spieth three-putted inside of three feet. So three feet, basically, and he three-putted. That's one of those things where you're kind of glad that you're not Jordan Spieth. So, yeah, that's uh, that's your aha moment for today. Even the people that are the absolute best at something can have a day where they are a failure. And, or a hole that they're a failure, not a day. Wouldn't it be interesting if Spieth comes back? He's only one back of the lead, even though he dropped three shots in his last two holes. But wrap your head around this. If he wins the tournament and he three-putted from three feet, wow. <laughs> if you three-putt once, you kind of slow down. After the second time, then it's in your head. He finally taps in for double bogey. Woof. You don't want that. Finally, one other story that I thought was interesting today. Uh, Mitch Trubisky was, quote, angry in a good way over the Nick, uh, the Nick Foles trade. So he admitted today that the Bears' decision to trade for the veteran Nick Foles made him angry, but in a way that motivates him going forward. He says, I think I was kind of um, angry in a good way, he said to the Sun-Times. I've been motivated ever since. I've been motivated since our season ended last year. I didn't feel like it went the way we wanted to, and we left a lot out there. But I'm excited for this year. I think it's going to be a good competition. Uh, here's a thought there, Mr. Trubisky. If you didn't suck, they wouldn't have traded for Foles. I hate to break that down to you. You sucked. They have to keep you because of the contract. But they want to be able to have somebody else that can help them a little bit under center if you decide to continue to suck this year. It's not that far-fetched. Don't suck. They won't trade for a veteran to back you up. Ta-da! I know that sounds like it's so light year way, way out there, but it's not. So there's that. It's kind of a, an interesting, uh, interesting thing there with that. I don't know uh, what he thought was going to happen. No clue. But the reality is, is that if he didn't stink, that wouldn't happen. Sorry. So I guess maybe he's upset with the Bears. I don't know. We'll definitely see how that works out for him. They're expecting, quote, major progress from him this season is what he says his coach is expecting. Yeah, I just don't want you to suck. Let's let's do that. Of course, Trubisky wasn't quite the quarterback that. Remember the season he had where, like, uh, they were talking about. I mean, he made plays, but a lot of them were made with his feet, and defenses were eventually going to get tape on him. And when they got tape and they realized, oh, he's just doing this, he ended up not being very good. That's how these things work. You got to keep your game going. All right, don't forget. As I said, USC Sumter baseball coach Tim Medlin joins me on Monday. We appreciate him uh, taking some time out to talk baseball with us. We're going to talk college baseball because the MLB is kind of screwing us over right now. So we'll have uh, Coach Medlin on with us on uh, Monday and some other guests that I'm working on to bring on the program. We'll see how that works out for us. Also, don't forget Teddy Hefner's on every week. 
uh, every day, Monday through Friday, 9 to noon. Be sure to check out Teddy Hefner's show, Talking Sports, the gold standard. That's what we should call Teddy's show, the gold standard for uh, talking uh, sports. Of course, here on Fox Sports Radio 1400. And, of course, this afternoon at 4 o'clock, Lawton Swan and Clemson Sports Talk. Stop looking at me, Swan. He will be joining you from 4 to 6. Stop looking at me, Swan. Be sure to listen to him this afternoon as uh, you get set for your Friday evening ride home. My name is Rob Sanders. I'm on Twitter at Rob Sounds Good. Podcast will be up at 5 o'clock. Blog page is at foxsportsradio1400.com. More of the rundown on Monday. Have a great weekend.